This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to be. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. I'm also on tomorrow from 12 to 2. That's Sunday. But I am on live right now. If you want to call 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at Monica Perez Show, I'm, uh, I'm going to go to some calls. I'm going to Greg in Atlanta. Greg, you are on with Monica. Hello. Uh, when speaking about... When speaking about Nazis, Trump says that there's good people on both sides. And those Nazis then murdered an innocent young girl with their car. Okay, hold on a second. Greg, Greg, look, you can't, you're you're defeating your own cause. I was completely ready. I saw what you said to the screen. I'm completely ready to have a back and forth with you. If we can slow down and actually talk about what the issues are. If you want to talk about the quote Trump and then talk about who he was talking about and what the result was. But instead you're just blurting out this, uh, these talking points. So I'm going to give you one more chance, but we got to slow it down and be intelligent. We're about speaking this. about Mexicans. Trump says that they're sending their rapists, their murderers, their drug dealers. When speaking about Nazis, there's good people on both. All right. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm not cutting you off because I don't want your message out there. I'm cutting you off because you're just blathering talking points that aren't going to get us any closer to understanding what the real problems are in this country. And I was totally ready to talk to you about the weaknesses of having a Trump presidency. And I personally believe that focusing on Trump as the person, this bombastic stuff, maybe he says, I think I call it the art of ambiguity, the stuff you're talking about, Half the people hear it one way and half the people hear it the other. And then those people start fighting with each other. And instead of talking about censorship, surveillance, militarizing, militarizing police, imperialism around the world, instead of talking about that stuff, you're talking about what this guy says. It makes no sense. It is just a way Obama gave hope. And Trump gives fear. It's a way for people on the left to validate this two-party psyop. It's a psychological operation. The Democrat-Republican thing, not neither side is fighting to preserve our rights and protections. Neither side is truly uh, taking care of the limited government that's in our Constitution. We need to focus on that. The the bankruptcy that we're going to face because of the debt that both sides, no, they're not even, no, you're not, people aren't even talking about Trump's budget and, and, the, and that he signed off on the past two insane spending bills. Like, it's just nobody's even talking about it. It wasn't an issue about the wall. It's an issue about bankrupting this country. It's not about his personality. Anyway, Binkley, Binkley's triggered. I got to let him talk for once. He was trying to say his indivisible group talking points as quickly as possible before you cut him off again the second time. He was literally trying to throw them out there like a child would. Yeah, I hear that. And I wonder if he picked up the baton because Mark got shut down by the break. Because it's that, you know, they both sound like they, I mean, clearly they're, they know what they're doing. You know, they're people. So wait, <laughs> Indivisible. Why don't you tell people? Indivisible is an activist group. They're the main organizer of the resistance around the country, and they send out not just talking scripts. 
They tell you what to do step by step. To the point where you actually did it, right? And and didn't even fill in your name. You said fill in your name. And yeah. the, didn't you call a congressman's office? I call a congressman's Just Cong- like that. Right. Just like what that happened there. Like there's a script and you're reading it. And it's clearly a tactic to just keep talking. Say as much as you want. And I, I do have a tendency to be polite and let people talk. And it's awful. I think it's awful to cut somebody off. I, I had a hard time on radio not saying hello and goodbye and waiting for the pr- other person to hang up first. I mean, that's yeah. how etiquette oriented I am. But they prey on that. Yeah, they assign trackers, that's what they're called, to target uh, stations and shows to disrupt. And they'll do it on both sides. So I suspected this, and then you gave me evidence of it, where they they said, oh, on that guy's show, there's terrible racism, whatever. And and the quote was from a caller. So the, the host said nothing, but the caller said something really offensive. And then the caller just said, yeah, yeah, right. You know, but in in print, it looked like you could argue the guy was agreeing. Exactly. But it was a setup. So the left and the right, the trolls come from both sides. I mean, I I hate to call names. And I even if if he would even just stop and talk to me, we could find out what really drives him to do it, because maybe we have the same concerns. Absolutely. Are you worried about racism? Then let's talk about Venezuela. Yeah. Can I say one more thing about that? I'll make it quick. No, we have time. The. Good people on both sides, quote, or whatever that quote was mm-hmm. that people use, is such a lie, and it's so destructive to yes, the country. Yes, because what he, because, are you saying because the, the people who well, were... I'm, I'm saying when somebody can prove to me that everybody who was there who was protesting to keep the statue up was a Nazi, then we can talk about him calling Nazis good people. There was well, 12 different groups there. The who people were, who wanted to keep the Robert E. Lee statue up... Right. That's what it was. Robert yeah. E. Lee, who you same thing. You could you could go either way. I mean, or could you not? You actually say some very redeeming things about Robert, uh, Robert E. Lee. He led the Confederate. But after the war, he helped unify the country. So if we're going for an example of turning bad to good, I, I think that he would be a statue to use as a unifying thing. To as inspire opposed to people, divisive. to bring the good out of people. Exactly. Who, were on the wrong side before, which might be good. Okay, so maybe that's why the people who wanted to preserve the statue got a, a license to make their political... See, that's the thing. There you go. That's the First Amendment. So you have to be able to petition and demonstrate and assemble, even if not everyone understands your point of view, because if you silence that debate... So this guy, he would not engage in the debate. So we're not going to accomplish anything. This is the dialectic in action. So that guy's on one side. I'm not even on a side. I'm literally yeah. just trying to figure out what happened. So, so, but because of this, we are never going to actually say, you know what? You're right. Censorship is a problem. It does not matter what Trump says or what that guy did. We should probably notice that there's five pages in the Wall Street Journal dedicated to how live streaming stuff that cannot be censored should not be available to the public. Right. And Only it, to YouTube censors. Absolutely. And the cops. And it could affect this guy who called in. Right. The, and what he's doing, the people he, he is listening to are not are not telling him things in his best interest. He's following people who are, who don't give, who, who don't are, care. Who are up there. When you look at the, the CFR roots of Stacey Abrams or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez coming out of Ted Kennedy's office, you you know that they're, they're, they're actors. They take acting. She, Stacey Abrams said, she, I think she, she was an actress. She, <laughs> yeah, she said she was. <laughs> Oh, we got to talk about her soon. We we pegged her running for president like the, the right when she said she was running for governor. She said this road to the White House. And we were like, 
Oops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. That we did call that long right, before I'm, anybody else. I'm gonna take a couple of uh, a couple of calls. Hey, Ray. Ray, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. Sorry, I didn't mean to surprise you with that. You're on. You're on the air, Ray. <laughs> Lay it on us. Sorry. Right. Okay. Well, you know, you you said that these guys are running a script that that talk that talk on when they call in, but you know, I have actual friends, and uh, that that believe this nonsense. They're getting. I think the media is stoking the fire of this stuff that's going on. Yeah, that's a lies. really good point, Ray, is that, so I'm saying, you could say these an event is a false flag or a provocation or something that's being generated. So in this case, they're saying the guy in New Zealand was generated by his alt stuff on social media. But it's, first of all, after I read that Department of Defense thing on memetics and how they intentionally use them with a lot of psychological manipulation behind them, I think it's much more likely that these memetics, these these movements that are emerging um, inorganically, but seemingly just from the organically, that they are, that it's much more sophisticated than just a bunch of uh, trolls in a basement, whatever. So I, yes, I think you're absolutely right that they know, but I believe that it is sinister in that they know exactly what they're doing like the new knowledge guy who was behind the russian bots that attacked roy moore i mean people believe the yes. story you know yes. but but it's but it's masterly crafted yes and it's a lot of that going on but these people are believing it and uh because they want to believe it that's the thing i think they want to it believe makes it them because... feel good there's something mm -hmm. like that facebook dopamine hit that mm -hmm. makes you get off when you've got emotional reaction, whether it's good or bad. It's the bad that a lot of times is is satisfying to them. It's the anger. So you have Obama, who is like Hopi, but then you have mm -hmm. Trump, who is fear. And and mm -hmm. I think they, they, they people like it. And then one thing about Muslims, uh, I, I heard a quote or something about, you know, Muslims are peaceful in a society when they uh, have small numbers, and as their numbers grow, then they start getting more radical. So. <laughs> what are you blowing up this great conversation for, Ray? <laughs> like, I don't know what you were thinking. I don't want to hear that. I, I don't generalize. See, that's why I gave Mark, um, I wasn't giving him a hard time, the, the caller before the last break. I wasn't trying to give him a hard time, but he was saying generalized things about Trump and what he does. And I was just forcing Mark to go through the process I go through when I think about saying something that jumps to a conclusion or generalizes about people i i really don't know and and it doesn't matter to me i don't i think that our system of free of a free economy people will come or go as they're needed and they must if there's no welfare they must acclimate because economically they will not survive without it. i have a personal experience with that and i firmly believe it binkley you can have the last word to what he said about radicalizing in groups, individuals, all individuals, psychologically, when we are in big groups of people that we are with, we the individual is lost and the group identity takes over. And That's radical. so interesting because now that you say that, yes, I read a book, Crowds and Power by Elias Kennedy. One of the first books you sent me, if not the first book by Laban, was, um, was about Crowds and Power. I forget what it was called. What was that Laban book called? Crowds in Power, I think. No, Crowds in oh. Power is Lies Kinetic. The crowd. 
Okay, yeah, and then it had a subtitle. But and it's about how you use a crowd. And he wrote that before Hitler, Lebon did, and Kennedy after from Germany he wrote it. So this idea of yes, what Ray said could be true for anything because it's the the crowd actually undermines the values of people. Yeah, a like football li- it's true. fan. Right. Huh? Football fans in a stadium are a radicalized group of people in that time while they're in the stadium. So to speak, the most rowdy of them. <laughs> hey, I've been one of them before. All right, we got to take a break. Um, you can tweet at me at Monica Pressure. Keep the calls coming. I got some more. You know, this stuff does trigger people. 800 WSB Talk. Monica Perez. Evil does seek to maintain power by suppressing the truth. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. We are talking about what happened in New Zealand. Uh, but I'm most interested in what the implications are for our rights and protections from uh, government and tyranny, which are converging quickly, if not already converged. I'm going to take some calls. First, I'm going to go to Miles in Atlanta. Miles, you are on with Monica. Monica, can you hear me? Yes, go. Yes, ma'am. Uh, my thought was, number one, I think that the uh, shooter was very media aware and he made a little manifesto and it seemed like he was making the, the, the attack to get some kind of reaction out of the media policy wise. My second quick point is that uh, I'm a, I'm a semi student of American history. And I realized it wasn't until the battles of Lexington and Concord, when they came for the guns that, that we really stand up and rise up. And so I wonder today, what is it going to take short of them coming for the guns to get, patriots to stand up because did you see that happen, passage but... in this guy's manifesto that said that he was interested in promoting uh a gun control push in the u.s so that people would stand up and and rise no, against it i didn't i did not read the manifesto i just know that he had one so that's that's coincidental that he would even say that because that's what i was thinking is that i think they can do what if i was in charge i would just not come from the guns We'll let them do anything. That's well, all, you know, I've had, heard Mark. that idea that that it's not uh, that that the guns they have are uh, the ones that we're not really a risk to them. Somebody comes in full body armor with military level equipment, you're not going to beat that with your handguns. It's the what I dubbed resistance grade weaponry that they're always after they're not after the handguns that do the crimes that they're saying they want to stop it's the resistance grade weaponry that they come for let's uh let's get into the impact on the media and how media is picking up on this story after the break tweet at me at monica perez show monica perez no never give up never surrender on news 95.5 and am 750 wsb I am your libertarian voice on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6, and I am on tomorrow from 12 to 2, which is a good thing because this story about the mass casualty event being reported in New Zealand has so many implications for us. I mean, I stopped looking at what what really happened when I hear stories like that because the media gets a hold of it, the big, big media, the... It, you can trace, I've seen like the infographics, whatever, where you see like the news generators, the news agencies, there's just a few. 
And a lot of times they get talking points from the U.S. government. So, and then as like a person in the media, like I am, it, it's practically, un- it, there's really, it's a ridiculous risk to take to contradict the narrative that's accepted and being reported. I mean, you would never do that. And you'd have to do original research, which you don't have the capability of doing. And until Parkland last year, you could seek out people posting stuff. You could do open source journalism online. But that was basically shut down with Parkland. And I guess the last thing that the last little wedge that I myself wanted to use was I thought if I did my podcast, Binkley, my producer here and I do podcast and they get taken down. Actually, the first one that got taken down was the um, when I talked about Sheriff Israel in Parkland saying, you know, there's something not right with this guy. But it was too soon. That wasn't the official narrative. So YouTube took it down. But once it was undeniable, that guy was had a problem. Then everybody was allowed to say it and, and didn't go away. Mine stayed down. But uh, but my point is that. Uh, we do podcasts and I thought I'll do we, we should start doing our podcast live on Google Hangouts so that people can hear it at least once before it's suppressed. Not that I wanted to say anything that would be I mean, I just try to I ask questions. I try to get the truth of things. I always try to be honest about my opinion, what I know to be facts, what the difference between the two are. Never say anything offensive. I don't I don't think I mean, maybe I offend people, but I certainly don't mean to. Uh And that would be the last way to kind of get information out there. And and it's probably a real problem to have live streaming anything. I think there should, I think every camera that the government runs and watches, unless they actually have a specific warrant for a specific, what they're looking for, according to the Fourth Amendment, what they're really saying is that their cameras are in the public domain. Well, if that's true, then I want live streaming video from every camera that I, as a taxpayer, own via the government. I think all, I think trials should be public. I mean, that's what they're supposed to be. There should be live streaming from trials unless there's a real reason not to. And these kind of things would, I think, really empower us to maintain our protections against being persecuted for political reasons, but under pre- other pretenses. So it's just it's a protection. And I think it's a big, big thing. So I look at these and I say, where is like with the Parkland shooting? Where was all the student video? Every one of those kids for sure had their phones in their hands. There should have been hundreds, hundreds. And you didn't see them. There's an effort successful effort to control information and i think the last loophole is this live stuff and that's what's being attacked or challenged by this uh by this new zealand thing and one so if you read the wall street journal today it's just all the coverage on the shooting is about social media or at least touches on that and one of the things they say is that he is so uh tuned into the internet, it's almost like one of the things is what's what this continuum between the troll and the terrorist that they that there's a a direct connection between cyber activity and real activity. And he's he obviously mastered how to bridge that gap and all this stuff. That's why he is so dangerous. And uh, I, 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 the last caller kind of reminded me that that is part of what they're suggesting. He also talks about the last caller also said about what was in uh, the manifesto 
And without realizing it, he echoed something that he hadn't read in the manifesto, but was there that that this guy is maybe this isn't the the expression used, but that perhaps the story is meant to trigger a dialectic is meant. Isn't that what they say Judas was doing to Jesus, that he thought that by forcing the issue, Jesus would have to defend himself and become activated an accelerationist. I've, I've heard that. Is that are you making that up? No, that's a real thing. There's people who do not like Trump who are glad Trump got elected because they believe it will accelerate the progress the the progress of getting well, to See, socialism. that's what I was going to say to the trolls that I actually my I mean, I'm not accusing that, but I'm saying my instinct is that that is that is true. I mean, everything from Zucker throwing him softballs and calling him the scariest guy in the world you know, on CNN and to the Steinle thing, which immediately came out to support his, uh, the, the, um, tone of his campaign. I felt that this, this would Obama gate. So say, say, say the left, let's just say the Democrat party is, uh, intentionally a patchwork of identity groups. And, some of those identity groups having been genuinely betrayed by the power, by the state in the past, were wising up to the fact that the welfare state maybe is a trap or a lie. And that what the Democrats promised, they cannot deliver or they would lose power. Because if they fix the fiscal problem, then you're not going to have people who are desperate and dependent. And it's going to be wearing thin. So the Democrats... I think the Republicans have their own problems and also need to be shored up, which Ron Paul was doing quickly to be replaced by Trump, who did not have the ideals and ideology of Ron Paul, but he appealed to the same emotion. That's a different topic. But the Democrats. So how do you get how do you reinforce the Democrats as the dominant party? Well, first, you give the people who feel betrayed by a by an elite limousine liberals who are full of it you give them obama who feels very earthy feels real and he uh and then so you've played that card you've played the we can be trusted card the hope card because he didn't really deliver either i don't think and then so then you flip to the fear card the love or the fear you can love me you can fear me and that's where trump comes in so the fear is really what's galvanizing the left. And I've heard even Stacey Abrams and others say like this was the best thing that ever happened to the left. And I'm like, when you hear people say that, it's like when they said on Fox News that the best thing that could happen to Facebook is getting regulated, is the industry getting regulated. I think, OK, well, if they're the ones who are benefiting, how hard is it to speculate that they were in favor of it or perhaps promote it? So what's so accelerationist? What? It's called accelerationism. In political and social theory, accelerationism is the idea that the prevailing system of capitalism should be expanded in order to generate radical social change. So you expand it to break it. So oh, can... accelerationism. That's Cloward and Piven from the 60s. What they proposed was to get absolutely everybody on welfare so the system would break and the mixed economy of social democracy would collapse and true communism would be introduced. That is originally an idea about um, promoting the collapse of the system by 
overburdening welfare. And then they deliberately went into the inner cities and broke up families to increase dependency. And that is in the record. And people are going to start wising up to that. So you need, when these people called, I'm going to call them trolls. I hate to call names, but it was crystal clear when the guy would not engage in a two-way conversation that he had uh, he had talking points, he had an agenda, whatever. And what's so funny about it is, so, but what he, they do is they focus on the personality of Trump when we should be talking about the real issues. Let's talk about the ideology, socialism versus capitalism. Do we have capitalism? I don't know. You got to define it first. It's not free market capitalism. We don't have that. Do we have socialism? Definitely. Some to some degree. So let, let's actually talk about it. You can talk about the ideology. You can talk about whether it's practical, either one of them, whether you can trust an administration with those responsibilities. Uh, talk about human nature. You can talk about all that stuff. But instead, we're, ta- we're calling Trump names, you know, and getting freaked out. But so the trolls... We were talking about this on Crazy. the break. They're, they're, they are what this guy is being painted to be. So this New Zealand shooter guy, it's so like the, I, ha, I have so many notes, I can't even like find them. <laughs> I can't find the quotes I'm looking for. But he, but his, his, uh, his character, what, how he's being painted is an absolute stereotype of here it is here it is local media reported that mr tarrant was from grafton in a town of about nineteen thousand, about a six-hour drive north of sydney so a real small town where he once worked as a personal trainer he described himself as just an ordinary white man 28 years old born in australia to a working class low-income family who had a regular childhood without any great issues and little interest in schooling it's literally when you read how like they have to attack the country towns in this country because people like that vote for Trump like that. I've been I've been flagging that all along. So there and then on the other articles, it talks about how social media like 4chan and Gab. It's basically the imagery is a comic book guy from The Simpsons in his mom's basement living out this fantasy gaming and writing incendiary things on 4chan. But he'd never do anything until there's some guy like this who gets out there and triggers everybody. And what's funny is that that stereotype is applied to the right but when you tell me about these emails you're getting from indivisible and that people are seriously and i hear them calling my show and they're calling the congressman and stuff like that what 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 image do we have of those people what what's the difference between the the article was what's the difference between a troll and a terrorist talking about this guy but what what's uh i'm not I'm not trying to I will not make that. I'm not saying that's a continuum of a troll to a terrorism. But what I am saying is the that activist stereotype that they're trying to paint on the right there. If that is a real stereotype, those same characteristics apply to the activists on the left. Is that too crazy a thing to speculate? I'm, specul- I'm just, you know, thinking about they it. They absolutely time. apply to the activist on the left as well. They're just wear a different color is all blue and they flipped the color they used to wear red and yeah. they had to like give the republicans red because it was too obvious that it was a communist color so yeah i mean i just i think that there's a lot to there's the trolls this, yeah. can sometimes be true believers and and sometimes trolls become true believers and true believers become trolls well yes that's what we were saying earlier is that it's not 
you can have an MK Ultra person <clears throat> who has uh, um, had an earlier Twitter exchange. I won't I won't name her because I don't want to out her as a um, conspiracy theorist, which she is not. But but the <laughs> the idea was that the MK Ultra people, which is a real program run by the intelligence in the U.S., people were activated to do things by certain triggers. So I'm not saying it has, I'm not saying you even need to do that. Is that when you, when you read this document about how memetics enhance dysfunctional subcultures, they're, they're activating psychologically. There's layer upon layer of stuff here. It's not this, it's not that I don't think it's this guy. I think it's, it's a plan just like they have these plans. They say they only apply them to foreign countries, but I don't believe it. Edward Bernays, the propagandist, the father of propaganda, Freud's nephew, used to talk about how sometimes these plans are 10 years, sometimes they're 20, sometimes they're 50-year broad, long-ranging plans, and the purpose of them is to influence the masses outside of the masses' awareness. I'm so glad you said that. I did not know he actually said that, but that is what I try to tell people. I'm like, these these personalities, these movements, these psychological operations, these dialectics, they don't just pop up. You don't wake up one day and say, gosh darn it, that guy did this. This is why we need to censor YouTube. That's not what's happening here. It's much, much bigger than that. But wait, let's, I got to take a break and then I want to tick off all the things that go into this guy's stereotype. It's, it's like, it gets almost laughable if it weren't so serious. Tweet at me or call me at 800-WSB-TALK or tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's all real. Oh, my God, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice. That's Monica Perez. And uh, I'm going to take a call. I'm going to go to Peter. Peter. Peter, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, I really want to tell you how much I enjoy your show. You're one of the few people out there that's thought-provoking. You don't spoon-feed. And I've been listening to you ever since you did a segment on social Marxism. Maybe one day you'll uh, do that one again. But the question that I had for you really is one that always perplexes me, and that's why the media is so intent on this socialist agenda. Isn't the first thing that happens in a socialist environment that they start suppressing the media and getting rid of them why do they think they're going to end up with a pass that's very interesting maybe they are serving the king maybe it's already happened that that those big news agencies have already been suppressed but for me if you look at the right why doesn't fox call out the Republicans for their socialism because they're our only hope, right? I mean, I'm, I don't know if I have any hope, but calling out the Democrats is kind of uh, pointless. They should be calling out the Republicans for their socialism. And let's get uh, a little bit more to what, what's on the agenda this week after the break. This is Monica Perez.